All right. So I have Dan Norton here again. And uh, how's it going? Hey, good to be here. Um, and uh, so we're just going to get right into it. And I wanted to talk with you about money and how why society should do should have money and do what we do with it what we do um i've watched a handful of debate debates you've had on taxation is taxation uh, theft and talking about the history of trying out different things and why it's worked here and not here and different things like that but what i want to do with you is kind of go back further to looking at the idea of a society just starting out and no money is created um and maybe some trade has happened where these guys grew potatoes and they traded the guys that grew corn and a government's formed for the same, whatever reasons we might think a government should be formed to, to prevent uh, people from killing, to have a prison. What, what I have been thinking about looking at, cause I've always wanted to challenge the idea of taxation being theft. I want to look at money and the idea of it being created and try to decide if I think of it even as property or why we should view it as something that should even exist. And when it exists, um, who gets to decide like what its value is. Um, so anyways, just hearing that brief idea, do you want to share with me what you would think if you were kind of put in charge of a of a small society of like 10,000 people or maybe maybe 100,000 people? And uh, you were one of the people that got to throw out ideas of, hey, we should create this thing called money. Like, wh what would you think of this? Okay. First of all, I'm going to put on my sunglasses. <laughs> okay. Because it is quite bright bright out here where I am. And I don't want to be squinting the whole time. For sure. Okay. So there, there was a lot that came up just in that brief little intro. Mm -hmm. So the idea is uh, we're starting out in a barter kind of society there's no money there's just trade and there's about 10,000 people and um there's a question of uh how how should that society operates there are various questions that should come out you, you said like mm -hmm. if i'm in charge what would i do um before i get to that though i i just want to briefly make a comment on the taxation is theft point I actually don't use that line. I know many people who are libertarians use that line. And I think that there might be a sense in which I would agree with it. I, I think taxation is wrong and unjust because I think it violates rights. I think it involves the use of coercion, the initiation of force, and I oppose it on those grounds. But if theft is doing something illegal, and taxation has been legally instituted by government. They they pass laws. Technically, I think it, it might be incorrect to say it's theft, um, since it's not technically illegal. But that I don't think that affects the point. I think the more important point, which is that it's unjust and a violation of rights. Yeah. So just wanted to make that point. Um, but we can get back into the the uh, scenario you were describing so um could you just briefly re reiterate the question again like what would i do if i were in charge of such a society 
Yeah. Well, before I do that, I actually think we could bounce off of something you just said, where you're talking about that it's it's um it's not theft because of how it's set up. But um, I, I, I used to imagine the same idea where like if I go to work right now and somebody gives me money, if I have a stack of money in my hand, then if somebody takes that, we'd call that theft. But the only reason I'd call it theft and even care is because it's money that means something to me. Like I, it means something within our society. So something I've been challenging myself on recently is um, like, so in our society, that means something because it's been created for a purpose. But if all of a sudden we started trading in marbles and this stack of paper that's green and has numbers on it means nothing anymore. If somebody stole it, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't go to the police because that, that means nothing. So I I've been kind of dabbling with the idea of if a society starts off. So, so me and you, we were born into a society, so that's different. Um, but if a society starts off and a government is formed and they say, we're going to create this money to mean something. And within creating it, it's going to, um, when you, when you make it, anybody that ever makes it, will put a certain amount in to help our society. So part of its purpose is this. I'm not claiming that other societies that's the case or even the US or anything, but um, if, if that were the case, if the society creating the money created it with that being its intent, somebody could argue to remove um, that purpose. But if that purpose is already therefore that then it's not even my money they're taking they created this thing and said hey if you go to this place called a work and if you work you'll get a certain amount of money and then your work will also give us the government part of it as well and that's what the money means so i guess i'm trying to break down um if that's if that's wrong or does, does that make sense that idea I think I'm I'm getting bits and pieces. I, I don't know that it's all gelled together yet in my mind, but maybe it For will sure. as we talk it over. Uh, but some some thoughts on that. So I, I think with currency, uh, it should be decided on a voluntary basis. Like I, I oppose government dictated currency or fiat currency where it's legislated by the government that people have to use a certain medium of exchange, whether it's uh, gold coins or silver mm. or uh, dollar bills. Um, I, I think people should be able to come up with their own currency. And over time, over generations, uh, I, I think people will naturally gravitate to one or a few different types of currency, because I think part of the value of currency is that you don't have just a million different <laughs> currencies. You want something that is very um, widely accepted as a medium of exchange. So it it kind of defeats the purpose of currency to have uh, a million different things and you don't know what is valued in what currency and it would just be chaotic. So you, you want a, a small number of currencies, but I think whatever the currency is, it should be um, developed by private means. It shouldn't just be legislated. The government shouldn't have the power to force people coercively to use a certain currency. So I, I think yeah. it, it should just uh, come about as a free market uh, method of exchange. Okay. And so, so government shouldn't even be the ones to create the currency. I, I think that's correct. Gotcha. Now, now do you have uh, much knowledge on that? I, I don't, I mean, I know that forms of currency date back to at least like Julius Caesar, 
but like so so money in the u.s like when people came over from france spain england and were um you know created the 13 colonies did money just they just used the money that was from england is this correct i don't know much about the history of currency but i mean gold and silver have been used for centuries uh i don't know when they started being used maybe thousands of years ago and and, you know the spanish they they discovered uh silver like in the um was it the andes mountains south america lots of silver Mm-hmm. And um, I think gold was discovered in various places. There's a California gold rush, of course, later in U.S. history. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, I think those those types of currents, I, I've heard it argued um, or said by some economists uh, of an objectivist persuasion. I'm very um, heavily influenced by Ayn Rand's philosophy of objectivism. Mm-hmm. I've heard some objectivist economists say that they think that gold would naturally evolve as the primary uh currency although i mean it could be represented by bills you could have bills like ious that you know say you have uh so you don't have to lug around the, a big heap of gold which would be very inconvenient you could have yeah um notes that represent the gold but i think gold would be the the thing that backs up those notes it wouldn't just be a, a free-floating fiat currency where you can just print it mm-hmm. print as much of it as you want as i th- i think it is something like that is done today by the Fed. I, I oppose that practice of okay. fiat money where you just inflate so, the currency. So the idea would just essentially be something like trade, where some people could trade vegetables for other vegetables or animals for other animals. But um, you, you're saying the most reasonable thing would be something that um, is more tangible, like like gold or silver, but that in the same sense of trading vegetables, if you trade gold, you're, you're trading this thing that has its worth. So... I guess here here's where I would find it complicated is if everybody's trade is within if, if they're just trading things that they have interest in. So if um I think I, I just learned something about some like Native Americans would like trade these like bead necklaces because if you had this certain kind of material on the necklace, then it showed you were like higher up or something like that. Um if you if people just trade these various different things, I don't think anybody would ever create any kind of money and then you wouldn't have like, so do you, do you not see benefit in having currency in the sense of like having credit cards and the ability of having a number that, that when you go from country to country, we can, um, we can see like what a dollar, a U.S. dollar is compared to a Canadian dollar and have more of a connected system. Do you really, do you think it should be more so, just uh, person to person and no like bank accounts. Oh no, I am perfectly fine with bank accounts and having uh, different currencies around the world and exchange rates. My main concern is just that it's voluntary. I just don't want, don't want the mm. government forcing people to use or to accept a certain currency. Okay. So, should the should but, the you government... know whatever naturally evolves voluntarily, I think is fine. Okay. Like I, I feel like it almost makes more sense for the government to be what controls making it understood like what the currency means because uh, w- well would you say at least that the government should control the um holding people accountable? Like you you mentioned like an IOU, would that IOU have to be like signed by a person and a witness and 
maybe a lawyer or would it would, would we just hope that the IOU will be held up by the person that gives it? Well, the, the government can enforce and can and should, I think, enforce contracts. So if if you uh, have a contract with someone that I, I'm going to uh, give you some good or service in exchange for X number of gold coins or silver coins or dollar bills, um, and then you fail to follow through on that contract, then I think you should be able to take someone to court for vi violating what they voluntary, voluntarily agreed to do with you. So the government can enforce those contracts. And I think that's, that's when it would step in, not issuing the mm -hmm. currency, but when someone breaks their agreement to hand over a certain amount of currency in exchange for some good or service. Gotcha. Okay. Well, and then, so I don't know like how much gold exists and how exactly that kind of thing would transfer over. But if you imagine that, um, the government didn't create the money, but the people created the money. And imagine we were going to use like coins like we use and um, not that we use them often, but like dollar bills and stuff like that. Uh, who who would print them if the government <clears throat> wasn't like connected to it? Uh, may maybe uh, banks would themselves print notes or outsource to some third party to print notes. I, I think. I don't know much about the history of this, but I think in the earlier days of the United States, banks did issue their own notes. It wasn't just uh, greenbacks um, print, printed by the, the U.S. Treasury. I think individual banks uh, actually issue notes. Um, and so a, a couple free market historians I've heard mentioned uh, George Selgin and Lawrence White or Larry White, I believe, have done a lot of research on um, how banking worked before the Fed stepped in uh, or early when it was more of a free banking area era. Mm -hmm. And uh, they say that even even the U.S. was not as free as um, places like Canada and Scotland. I think Canada and Scotland were the best examples of uh, free banking as opposed to government or central banking. Mm -hmm. So if anyone is interested in the history of how this would actually work um, in terms of things like who prints notes and um, I, maybe if you look into the work of George Selgin or Larry White's, you can find some more details on that. But from what I know, um, individual banks could print notes uh, that could draw on, you know, their reserve of gold. Um, and then, you know, banks could exchange notes with each other. Yeah, uh, I, know, I guess I details. for sure. Yeah, I guess I just uh, being a person that doesn't know much about this or the economy at all. Um, I'm just trying to picture it playing out. And I just feel like I mean, not I don't know what exactly would make the government held accountable, but um, I I'd be more concerned about like uh, banks being accountable as far as like how much you print, the reason you print a certain amount, if you print a certain amount, like how does that affect the value of it? And I just feel like that's something that would be controlled by the, uh, the, the government, the legislation, the, the politicians that decide how are, how everything works essentially, where if a bank could just print out a thousand hundred dollar bills what's the difference between that and that same bank printing out another thousand hundred dollar bills? Like, like they're, they're uh, from my understanding a bank's purpose would be to 
to make money, but not to, because they, they want it to come in. If they can print it themselves, I guess I just wonder how that would be um, regulated. Well, I, I don't think it should be regulated by the government, but that doesn't mean there are more and less good ways of doing it. So okay. I think that the value of having uh, a something like a gold standard or, or a silver standard is that you can't just print it arbitrarily. Mm -hmm. So what you want is something that's scarce. Um, it's not like air, right? It's just um, mm -hmm. an infinite amount of it, essentially. Um you want something that's scarce that you can't just print out of thin air and uh in gold and silver uh are are scarce goods and they have other properties as well like they're divisible um they're homogeneous um so there are reasons historically that metals have been have been used as currency bases but then on, if you kind of layer on top of that a currency like dollar bills that can represent golds well that currency has to be backed by gold so if you just arbitrarily print out you know a thousand times uh more money well that money is gonna it still has to draw on the same pile of gold that you have in the vault mm -hmm. somewhere so um if you increase let's say you start out with a thousand dollars a thousand dollar bills in circulation and then you just arbitrarily increase it to a million dollars in circulation well, then I guess the purchasing power of those each individual dollar bill is just going to go down by a thousand fold yeah. because it still has the same amount of gold to draw on. So I, 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 don't, I guess think it's really to your advantage to just arbitrarily print out more money because it's pulling from the same resources. Yeah, no, that's very true. I, I guess I was just uh, imagining that the the government would like that's part of their function would be to make that not an issue where for some reason I would just imagine banks like what like like who would control them like the government is the government so they control what they control and then uh depending on what we think they should control they'd control other things as well um but as far as controlling banks and their printing i guess if the it, yeah I, I mean i guess that might be the answer is that it's not in their interest to even print more than the the they than the gold is there for but then it, I think it might come down to like which which banks get to print the money if there's multiple banks. Um, but again, yeah, I don't I don't have um, too much of an understanding on that. So so I guess let's let me let me bring it back to what the original question was that um, um, I was going to lay out more of. So we we have um, what was it ten thousand people. And it's a it's a small society, and a government has not formed whatsoever. And people are deciding there needs to be a government. People need to to be in control of certain things, maybe military, maybe police. And people want um, the idea. Let's say that you are one of the people that can share ideas for why there should be a monetary system versus just people trading goats for corn. Um, so what what do you say when you're at this like debate meeting with other potential politicians for this society about monetary systems? Well, I would not want to force anyone to switch from barter to currency. I might think it's in people's interest to do so. 
and I might give reasons for that. I might say, well, isn't it inconvenient to have to lug around your goats wherever you go to to get something else? Wouldn't it be nice to just carry some money in your wallet? And this is even before the electronic age. I mean, it could be even uh, we might not even need notes at a certain mm-hmm. point. Um, so I, I don't think it's I just think it's something that naturally should evolve and there might be intermediary steps. Like I, I've heard that in concentration camps, I think, during World War II, sometimes the the, the inmates, they would use cigarettes as mm. currency and uh, trade things with each other in terms of uh, cigarettes. So, you know, maybe there would be some kind of uh, stepping stone currency um, between uh, just barter of the 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 product you ultimately want to use and something like gold mm-hmm. or dollar bills um so i would want to be very um hands off <laughs> that's my f- fundamental principle in political philosophy no coercion so you can yeah. persuade people to to do things a certain way but it's it's no one's business to force other people to engage in a currency if you want to in in society today i think there should be a range of options like if i want to barter with you if i don't want to give you money if i want to say hey i'll uh i'll give you my motorcycle if you give me your washing machine or whatever we should be able to do that we shouldn't have to use currency although if we want to use currency we should be able to do that too Mm-hmm. So it's just uh, anything that's voluntary should be um, allowed in my view. Yeah, no, I, I think so. I think that that trade is perfectly fine. Um, I guess. Yeah, I'm trying to work in my mind it going from the bartering system to what we have and like all the options of how that could work. And I guess it's just kind of hard. So if you worked on a farm, then somebody could pay you in food because food's a, a great uh, resource to have. You you need take that home feed your family but if you if you just work at um at a department store and let's say if money hasn't been created yet then it's going to be very complicated is they're not going to be able to pay their workers in vegetables and so creating the money seems to to have benefit but if so if you have a government that that uh controls how money works and what what the value is and we all go off the same thing, then it's really easy. This store can pay you this amount based on a standard of living, all these various different things. But if you don't have the government involved and then somebody wants to call this bill that has a five on it, and it has this value and this is how much food you can get at the store. But then somebody else not too far away wants to call the one that has five on it, meaning 10 times that amount. Um, like each, if there's five different banks, I I don't know if each bank can make their bill mean something different than another one. So I guess I just see the point. I see the value in having everybody being on the same page, but I think the further you get away from the government controlling this aspect, the further away you are on the page, especially when you get to digital, because then what does that number of value mean if somebody else wants that number to mean something else? I think it's in people's self-interest not to have, uh, you know, a huge number of currencies, as I said. So I think the free market will naturally gravitate towards having a, a low number of currencies 
I, I don't think you need the government for that. And I think we, there's probably other examples of this sort of thing happening, like with USB cables or something, you know, mm-hmm. as the computer industry is um, evolving, you might have like four different size chargers for, for cell phones or something. And then you have organizations that get together. I don't know the names of them. Um, but over time, I think they come up with standards and they say, hey, doesn't it just make sense for us all to um, standardize our, the size of our USB ports uh, so we've got more compatibility and uh, and people do decide over time it's in their own self-interest to, to do that. So you don't need the government uh, to in order to get standardization and um, lack of chaos, I think uh people see the value in that so free market will generate it gotcha okay i like that no that's very interesting um and i don't necessarily have anything to counter it because again i'm i'm just wanting to hear ideas and challenge myself and and use these ideas um so i like that that's good um now i do want to bring it to a different level i kind of want to maybe challenge some of your ideas on maybe extremes in a in a small government. So, so, so in my mind, a a very brief idea of the importance of a society would be that everybody in the society has to uh, do be better off than if they were in nature. So nobody wants to live out in nature, running, running around, trying to survive and not living long. So in a society, I think you have to do pretty well. So I'm, I'm mostly libertarian. I'm, I'm very in favor of just liberty and free market. But when you have people that get to the level of not being able to survive, I see a concern. And I'm, I'm wondering at what level it would sway your way of thinking. So... So let's let's take something um as as simple as well. Yeah, let's take something that's that's a pretty hot topic like um the minimum wage. So in my mind, in a society that's thriving and fine, and everybody can get by and figure out how to do things, um, minimum wage. There shouldn't be a minimum wage. Just everybody should do whatever they do. You pay whatever you pay. If you don't like that pay, you go to a different job. But in a society where being paid too little makes it to where you cannot survive or to where if there's if there aren't enough jobs, like if you have 10,000 people in a society, you have to have approximately 10,000 jobs exist or the ability for them to um, to get food or shelter and clothes otherwise. So I, I guess um, I guess I just kind of want to branch this off to something like minimum wage and hear your thoughts on are you to the level of leaving it up to whatever people figure out that if people start actually dying from not being able to afford food does the government not step in in any way if i heard you correctly i'm having a little trouble hearing because there's a uh, leaf blower right outside my my yard here and uh Gotcha. But I, I take it you can't hear that because I think something I happened last yeah. time we we talked and there was some noise, a helicopter, and you weren't yeah. able to hear it. But yeah, that mic um, is really good. I think. Yeah, for, for some reason it, it filters out those noises. But anyways, uh, on the minimum wage, I, I do oppose it, 
And I, I don't think um, the government should ever interfere with voluntary relations between uh, a a hirer and a worker. I think it should be left up to the voluntary decisions of those people to decide what they are okay working for or offering. And I think that's the best for everyone. And um, this again comes down to my uh, principle of the non-initiation of force. Mm -hmm. And I think it's both moral and practical. So I, I don't think people are going to be worse off if, uh, if, if they're freely allowed to decide on these things, you might be able to get some short-term benefit for uh, some select group of people. But in the long run, I think it's worse for the society. Uh, an example I sometimes think of when these sorts of discussions come up is, well, what about uh, you know a mugger on the street? He can certainly make himself better off in the short run by just mugging people. Um, does that justify it? Well, no, I, I don't think so. And I think if you allow mugging, uh, that's it's, it's going to lead to the deterioration of society. And in the long run, the, the whole society is going to go down the tubes if you allow that sort of behavior. But if you have a principle, uh, the principle of rights, meaning you're not allowed to initiate force against others, you can only use force in self-defense. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have that principle and you stick to it, I think in the long run, everyone in society is going to be better off. Not everyone is going to have an equal amount of wealth, but I don't, I don't see equality of wealth as something that we should aim for. I think we should have equality of rights, meaning everyone uh, has the freedom to act on their own judgments and follow their own judgments as long as they're not coercing others. I think that's, that's best for everyone. For sure. Yeah. And I agree with you on principle and I definitely agree to you to various different levels. Like if somebody is extremely wealthy and has a yacht and goes on vacations all the time, that is what it is. And if somebody will never go on a vacation for the rest of their lives, I don't think that matters. Like I think people actually compare some people to other people way too much. And I think maybe a better way to look at it is just comparing current humans to humans throughout history. And so even the worse off humans say in the U S are probably way better off than most humans throughout history. Um, and nobody is owed something like a vacation or a boat or anything like this, but I do, I do have concern. I think what leads to say revolutions and I, I don't mean, um, I don't mean threats of revolution, like people getting mad about various different little things that they're not going to really do anything about. But the idea, the idea of people actually getting to the level of starving to death, um, how many deaths would it take now? So, so I know, I know the, the, the answer is, um, Instead of the government giving money for um, welfare or the government making employers give more money for minimum wage, um, the answer would be donations. And I, I think in a lot of cases, maybe even most, I think that actually would work out. And I agree with you. I've listened to Milton Friedman and I completely agree with him. I'm a huge fan of Ayn Rand. But I'm wondering in a system where we were to try that out how many deaths would it take or would it be a percentage of the population that die to uh, adjust that? 
I don't really think of it like that. I mean, I think the number of deaths is going to be less mm-hmm. in in the kind of system I advocate, a system of freedom. Sorry, basically. I think I think I worded that wrong. I agree. I think there will be less. I'm saying if there aren't, if it's tried out and it fails, because um, I think that's most people's concern with trying anything out would be the the possible failure. Uh, if somebody did communism right, it could work, but if it fails, it's not good. So this, I I agree. I'm on your side. I I I mostly lean towards an extreme libertarian side, but I'm just saying if it was tried and if there weren't enough donations for various things and let's just say the idea of starvation if humans in the society started starving to death because of various different things where uh the the way things worked with employers paying certain people certain money that i don't know 80% of the population was doing perfectly fine a lot of them were going on vacations and doing very well I'm not saying we need to bring everybody to equal, but I I see a concern with the government not stepping in to make sure that people don't die. And I might even let some people die. I'm just wondering if they were to die of starvation due to this system being put in place, how, like, is there an idea of like, would a certain amount of deaths or outcome make you say, we need to change this up for the moment? Okay. Uh First, you mentioned you've mentioned the term libertarian a few times. I just want to distance myself from that term a a bit because a lot of people um, will call me that because that's the closest term they know for the sort of views I advocate. But um, libertarians are often associated with anarchism, and that's a big reason I want to dissociate myself from that term. And Mm -hmm. I, I, objectivist, I think is a better term for me. so I would consider myself an objectivist or at least high, heavily influenced by objectivism. Mm-hmm. But uh, getting back to your point or your question. Um, yeah, so the way it's framed as like, I am hesitant to go along with the framing, like what's the number of deaths or um, such that you would be okay? Or is there any level of deaths uh, such that you would be okay with the government stepping in? Um, I, I'm not even sure I know how to process that because I, I think that maybe it implies a certain mechanism of how things operate, which, which I don't accept. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe I can, uh, flush this out a bit more. <clears throat> um, so there are emergency cases where I do think it's, it's morally justified for individuals to violate rights and initiate force so an example sometimes used here is you're you're like a robinson crusoe type you're coming from an island you finally are able to make it back to civilization maybe you swim and you know you're you're on the edge of death and if you don't get some food really fast uh you're gonna die of starvation um let's just say that's the case i think in that case you would be justified in stealing a loaf of bread or something, stealing an apple from somebody in order to get back on your feet um, and have a more long-term kind of existence where you don't have to uh, just swipe whatever is immediately available in order to survive. And then once you get back on your feet, um, I would think it's probably best to pay the person back who you stole from, or maybe, you know, if they knew your condition, if you explained it to them, they would be, 
um, out of their benevolence, they would say, oh, don't worry about it. You know, I'm happy to help you out. You were in such dire circumstances. I understand. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to take you to court <laughs> over s swiping an apple so you didn't die. But I think these are these emergency cases are very far-fetched and they're often used to um, as kind of a wedge to undercut the principle of capitalism. Um, but I, I don't think they they actually work as a wedge to undercut capitalism because I don't think we, we shouldn't construct a society or formulate an ethics and ethical principles like you shouldn't steal on the basis of emergency cases where you're on the edge of death. Um, Ayn Rand has an article called The Ethics of Emergencies where she d discusses this kind of thing. When we're constructing society, we have to assume that uh, a long-range existence is possible and then come up with principles of how that sort of society should operate. And if that's the kind of society we're talking about, I think the non-initiation of force principle is a good one. If life were just a constant emergency, we couldn't survive as a species. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, that's... So I, I think I, I would just try to reframe the whole issue. Like if we're talking about how to set up society, we can't be assuming these dire cases uh, and then come up with any rational principles. Mm -hmm. um, well, well, let me give a yeah. let me give a realistic example I have because I think this is a very uh, fascinating idea. Um, in the '60s and prior, there were many states in the South that had um, signs at restaurants that said "Only whites allowed," and in my mind, the the general go-to, I think any company should do whatever they want to do. Right now, I don't think there should be a law preventing people from not letting certain people of races or genders or anything into a store. Um, it's just going to make them fail. Like I'm guessing we probably agree um, that the market will, will uh, fix that up really quick. But I think in certain situations where you have an extreme and a big issue in a country, like we had... Um, with uh, situations where people weren't allowing black people into whites only places that the, I think the government needs to step in and say, we are making a law that if you have a business, you can't discriminate for these reasons. And then once that's, that's kind of figured out, then you can go back to, okay, if we want to let a couple people discriminate here and there, um, they do it. It, it. I think it just depends on the, the, the larger impact so I guess let's talk about that, um, and then maybe we can stretch that out to talking about how that's affected by money and lives. Do you think that today there should be laws preventing people from choosing who they hire or who can go in a store? No, I think people should be, they should have the freedom to be racists. Mm -hmm. And I think those racists should be boycotted. So I think the yep. way to deal with- definitely with racists is by boycotting them, by ostracizing them uh, and uh, then let them suffer the consequences of their irrational decisions. But no, I don't think it's the point, the purpose it's proper. I don't think it's proper for the government to uh, forcibly stop people from being racist or irrational in other ways. I mean, mm -hmm. there's many things that I think, um, like eating an unhealthy diet, I think, is irrational, but I don't think the government should step in and force people to eat a, a certain diet or force people 
to go to church or to not go to church. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I might think it's irrational to go to church and believe in God and take things on faith. But, you know, I think people mm-hmm. should have the freedom to do that. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. So th- now then the, que- the follow-up question would be, do you think when it gets to an extreme, like how bad it was, and I don't even know how bad it was. I don't know if you're more familiar with this. If in movies, they make it seem like it was everywhere. I think it was actually only, only the South. I think in, uh, not that Northern States weren't racist, but I, I think the whole whites only restaurants and stuff like that was the South, but even with 50% of the country making it to where it, all the public areas that you use, you'd have separate drinking fountains, separate bathrooms. Do you think when something gets to an extreme like this, it's worth the government s- stepping in? Uh, I, I, well, first of all, I, I don't know like how many of these areas are public versus private. So that, this is another issue that factors in. Mm. I think let's say private only. Yeah, so if it's private only, I I don't think I don't think the the government should be stepping in even if a large number of people are doing it. Uh probably even if it's a majority um I mean, you don't have to eat at restaurants at all. You could eat at home. <laughs> you 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 have no rights to eat at somebody's restaurants, I don't think. I think mm-hmm. that would be a form of initiating force on them. They mm-hmm. they uh, create this business voluntarily, and I think it should be up to them how, who they trade with, and if they're going to be irrational and not trade with you because of your race, then uh, I think they should have the right to do that. And then again, boycott them and go to the maybe there's only one guy in town. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. who who is willing to serve everyone regardless of race well he's going to get a lot more customers so maybe mm-hmm. his business is going to be booming and you know over time he's going to uh outcompete the the bigots because he's going to be getting all the business instead of having all the let's say all the blacks spread among you know 100 different restaurants in a city if they're all mm-hmm. going to one guy because he's the only one willing to serve them well he's going to get yeah. He can raise his prices through the roof, right? <laughs> right. He's yeah. the only one they can go to. So he can make a ton of money and ton of profits. And other people who are rational businessmen are going to look him on that and say, hey, I can get in on some of those profits if I mm-hmm. uh, am also willing to not be a racist. And then I, I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to be hard if you allow the free market to operate um, to, to root out those kind of uh, irrational practices. I mean, I agree with you in general, but it didn't seem to work um, with black people in the South. Um, but 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 yes, I think it mostly works. And I think our biggest problems are when we remove that element. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I guess that's how bad it was in the South in the 60s, 50s, 40s, that if somebody would have had the only restaurant that said blacks and whites can both go there, then there would have been so much hate against that person that the market wouldn't have worked. But that's just because the majority at that time in that location wasn't on that side. Yeah. I don't know all the, the, the details of um, like the percentages of uh, like, restaurants for instance that were open to people of any race it'd be interesting to to learn more about that um yeah but i mean things like education i I don't know um i think there were there was public education back then like in the 50s and um 
So that's a case where you have government interference in a marketplace, um, which I would oppose. So mm -hmm. if the government is coercively segregating the schools, then that's going to perpetuate it longer. Like if you had a free market in schools and you allowed people to patronize any school they wanted instead of having their, um, well, I guess maybe there were some private schools, but maybe they were crowded out um, because, you know, people are spending so much on taxes already, property taxes, maybe to support these schools. So they don't have additional money to send their kid to a private school. So they end up having to use the public schools. But if you had a free market, maybe that segregated system would have evaporated uh, quicker and they could have uh, more quickly gotten to a, uh, a non-segregated system. So I would be interested to see like to what extent was the government's interfering in these markets and slowing down the process of integration. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. It could have gone better. It could have gone worse. And then the, I think that's the good thing about hypotheticals, whether they seem realistic or not, because yeah, if you would have left uh, schools up to the markets, there's a possibility that you're right, that it could have gone better, but there's also a good possibility that if, there was no uh, legislation change for schools that instead of ending in the 60s, it would have been like in the 80s for the South, and maybe it would have been way sooner um, in the North, um, which is why I want to come back to this example, even if it's unlikely. If Well, just one point on that. I, yeah. I do think the free market rewards rationality. So in general, at least, I would think that um the freer your market is the the quicker you're you're going to separate the wheat from the chafe the quicker you're going to get to a, a a good solution so i i doubt it would have been worse i i think when there's a problem the, the freedom uh makes it go away the fastest um mm. at least often if not always yeah i think uh, in in so. general like so if uh if they have separate schools for blacks and whites in the south and it's government ran and the government's kind of mostly going along with what the people want. But at some point um, something makes them say, we're going to start allowing black kids into this all white school. Then that's the government doing its thing. But if, if the government didn't make that choice and people could just put their kids wherever they, they wanted to, I, there's a good chance that there could have been more issues because even if you're right, that the market, leans towards uh rational thinking if the thinkers in that area aren't rational i don't know if that's always right well i mean i think if they're if the thinkers aren't rational i think they're going to be losing business so if you're an irrational principal of a school and you have irrational policies then i think you're going to be outcompeted by principals who are rational and you're going to attract more you. students I see what you're saying. And, like if somebody started, like if I was there at that time in the South and I started up my own school and I said, anybody can come here, then the ones that were, that were being racist against the blacks, they would lose out on the black students going to their school where they would come to mind. You're right. I, yeah, I, I think that is how that would play out. Um, okay. Well, really quick then, um, especially cause I think we are running out of time. Um, so just imagine that, the government steps out of anything money related and there's no welfare, none of this stuff. Um, you know, people donate money. If you, if you're wealthier, you donate money to different things for helping the homeless, helping these different causes. 
Um, but let's say it plays out where for whatever reason, at, let's say it's going really good for a while with donations, but at some set time, even though uh, 80% of the population are doing well, the donations stop coming in. Even if this is an unrealistic idea, are there a certain amount of deaths that are going to be the, 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 the autopsies are going to show that all these deaths are caused by starvation. Will there be a certain amount that would lead the government to step in and even if they don't step in and demand a minimum wage and even if they don't step in and do welfare with money do you think the government should step in and have a maybe a free food program of sorts where people can come in and eat if they are on the brink of starvation i'm i'm again uh not sure how to process this hypothetical because I think the it's um, what is very unrealistic, I think, which I think you acknowledge, but um, well, I don't really just... think it's unrealistic, but I think that you okay. might. So I want to throw that out there. Okay. Well, let me say some of the ways in which I think it's unrealistic and then maybe we can build on that or come back to a different point. But I think realistically, the number of people who cannot support themselves is a tiny tiny minority i mean i think it's well under one percent so i think this is a very trivial sort of problem i, I think it's a non-problem really because it is so so trivial it would be so easy to take care of in a free market i i've used the example in some of my debates of um, how easy it is to uh, make money today, especially just by doing something like data entry on a computer. Even if you're uh, like paralyzed and you can't leave your home, all you have to do is sit at your computer and type. That's so minimal a way to, um, it's such an easy way that you can make money and support yourself. You might not become rich uh, doing that, but you can support yourself. Um, so in a free society, the, the ways of you could support yourself are just endless almost. Um, so I, I think, I mean, what are we talking about? Are we talking about someone who's, who's paralyzed and has down syndrome or something? And I, what what kind of person in today's society is is such that there's absolutely nothing they could do to support themselves they can't trade in any way and they entirely are at the mercy of someone else i mean yeah. it's hard even to well, imagine i guess we could uh, we could imagine um like automation taking over in a, a bigger way than it already has more stores closing down because more things being sold just on Amazon. Now there will be jobs created with these things, but there's also going to be jobs lost video stores going from existing to being a red box to being streaming on Netflix. Um, these somebody will have to go and fix the red box machine, but the amount of people that used to work at video stores, I actually was one of them. Um, the, those jobs are gone. So just imagining that there's less jobs and there's becoming lesser and lesser and lesser jobs. Now you're right, right now, a lot of the things you're saying 
anybody can go out and do. I could go out and get any, like not any job, but I can, there's a lot of random jobs that I could get. I'm just saying in a situation where the jobs start disappearing and you have humans that would, because I mean, there have been obviously many times throughout history, even somewhat recent history where people will like crowd outside of a factory waiting to see if they need any workers and they say okay we can use 10 today and 10 people go in and then everybody else is sent home uh th that type of thing could happen again and i'm just wondering to what level if the government is flourishing and the majority of the people are flourishing if um there become so fewer jobs that that on this system without any assistance from the government, um, the government might have to step in. I don't, I don't want to push it to the level of like needing a UBI, but I wouldn't be surprised if before too long, because of automation, that um, there has to be some form of a UBI to keep anybody afloat. Now, we don't need to debate if there should be a UBI, but just considering that that's even a possibility, I think it's clear that there's a possibility that at some point there won't be enough jobs for the humans that say, let's just say, live in the U.S. Okay. Um, this is interesting because it seems like we're, we're so far advanced that we uh there's like no more work to do we could just mm -hmm. hang out and what play video games and consume arts and uh have go to the beach and <laughs> yet we're worried about people starving to death at the same time mm -hmm. I, i'm not sure about like how these fit together but well, you I don't well, think there's well, can you um, answer the, well hold on real quick though I'm, I'm curious then you don't think there's a possibility with automation how like when people go to check out at the grocery store, they can do it all themselves that at some point, um, like uh, uh, data entry, any of these things, you don't think that there's some point in any kind of a possible near future where if you have a certain amount of millions of humans, but then you have half that amount of, of jobs, you don't think there'll ever be a point where the jobs are, there's less jobs than there are humans. Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I think there's an endless amount of work to do because you can always make life better. I mean, if we start out as cavemen, <laughs> just think of there's we, we haven't even gotten to the moon yet. I mean, we've we visited there, but we haven't uh, set up colonies there. We haven't gotten to Mars. There's a whole galaxy mm -hmm. we could do. There's in just on this Earth, um, there's innumerable ways life could be we don't have flying cars yet what's what's up with that mm -hmm. um and whenever you create a new technology uh to replace an older technology you put out you know the people who had jobs on the older technology but by the same token you create new jobs servicing the new technology and and people who are inventing the next technology um so there's i think there's an endless amount of work that could be done um so and I mean, we might have a choice in the future of whether to work at all. And some people mm -hmm. who are rich now, like if you're a wealthy heir, you're born into a fortune and you just inherit a billion dollars, you have the choice of whether to work at all. Um, and uh, maybe far more people will have that choice in the future. But I think it'll always be a choice. There's always something you can do to make life better and uh that i think someone would be willing to pay you for so I, I don't think there's any danger of running out of work okay 
Yeah, it might be know. more of an option whether to work though in the future. It, well, how does that? What do you What do you mean by that? So aside from the billionaires, like who yeah. who would not have to work? Uh, I mean, just maybe it just would be uh, people who um, inherit a lot of money or make a lot of money really fast. Like maybe people can retire sooner. Maybe mm. we'll we'll just be so wealthy as a society in the future that it'll be normal to retire at the age of. 35 instead of 65 gotcha or if there's so many jobs replaced by automation then maybe maybe um because less jobs are needed but the jobs are still there people will work less so like instead of working 40 hours people go to work 20 hours and then that way that way instead of one person working 40 you'd have two people working 20 that way people are covered um i, I think there are your approaches. money might go further your money might go further like for, so for the same amount of work, I mean, the amount of uh, value you can get from working 20 hours as a caveman, maybe it takes you 20 hours just to hunt, you know, uh, a few rabbits and you get mm -hmm. dinner for a couple of days. But if you work for 20 hours uh, in the United States today, maybe, you know, that's half, a, let's say half a week's pay. Maybe you earn a thousand dollars. You get enough money to last you a whole month, perhaps. Yeah. Um, so your money goes okay. further for the same amount of work because we've just become so efficient and productive given all our technology and advancements over thousands of years. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, a lot to think about. Um, I think that's probably about it for today, but yeah, thanks for talking. Yeah. Happy to do it. Thanks for having me. Yep. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.